Welcome to our Wednesday, or hump day, to use the Australian slang, regular Stuart Allcroft, Asian Fund Management Industry Consultant. Happy hump day, Stuart. I wouldn't necessarily call it that, Stephen, but yes, good morning to you as well. So what would you call it, Stuart? Well, it's a better day than yesterday and the day before in terms of weather, but it's still not wonderful. I think we're getting there. Could be better. And Barry Wood, RTHK's International Economics Correspondent. Happy hump day to you too, Barry. Well, I always agree with Stuart. And uh, yes, good morning to you, Stephen, and happy hump day to you. And actually, it's hump day eve in the US, so I'm sorry about that, Barry. Happy Hump Day Eve. (laughs) Thank you. Hump Day is Wednesday tomorrow, and it's called Hump Day because it's like the hump of the week, and everything's more downhill and easy after Wednesday because the weekend's nearer. Just thought I'd explain that to you. Anyway, let's, let's get down to business. Let's start with climate change. In a way, the timing of John Kerry, the latest visitor to China, couldn't be better with record-breaking temperatures in China, the US and Europe. What has come out of the meeting, and do you think climate change could potentially transform the relationship between the US and China, as Kerry suggested? Starting with Stuart. Well, yes, uh, you're right. The timing of this meeting is really um, very fortuitous insofar as um, this week is probably going to be the hottest week on record around the world. Um, We've had these extraordinary temperatures in uh, China and America and in Europe, and uh, I don't think there could be any argument that climate change isn't the cause of it. Uh, So, yes, there is a great need for the U.S. and China to be talking together, as both uh, are the two largest uh, polluters in the world. Their output needs to change in terms of use of fossil fuels, and uh, so they both could make a big difference if they both do something. And it doesn't need for them to agree to do it, they just need to do it on their own. But if they do it together, that would make a massive difference. So I think there are a lot of uh, common interests here between the US and China. And John Kerry, as a diplomat, as well as a a climate expert now these days, um, could well bring the US and China a little bit closer together and is perpetuating this ongoing dialogue that seems to be occurring almost every week now between senior U.S. and China politicians, which, frankly, I think is a really good thing. I think we need to see a lot more of this uh, to get rid of all the uncertainties that we've experienced over the last year or so. Uh, Barry, did anything actually come out of this meeting? I haven't actually seen any statements that anything was agreed. No, I I think that's correct, uh, Stephen. But at the same time, uh, Stuart is right. I mean, the fact that they're talking is the important element. Just think if they were not talking, uh, all of the pundits around the world would be saying, why are they not talking? And the fact that they're going to keep talking, that's the important element. Of all of the areas of disagreement between China and the United States, this climate issue is the one in which you can really take away a lot of the emotion and you can get down to specifics. Now, it gets difficult because we're talking about governments and you have to involve the private sector in both of those big countries. But I think that they will. So I agree, this is very important. It doesn't matter if they have a communique. We don't need a to-do list. What we do need is for them to keep talking. Yeah, I, I don't think we've got to the end. I think there's one more day of the meeting to go, okay. which is today, and we might hear something later on. 
Oh, okay, that makes sense, um, because they'll probably put out a statement at the end of it. It reminds me of the um, graphic with disagreement on it. And, of course, in the middle of disagreement, you have agree. And to resolve a conflict, you always start in that area. So let's hope they're doing that. And, well, talking about it, Janet Yellen's travel itinerary has been very busy, and she's also said several things over the last few days which sound much more conciliatory for US-China relations. So, for example, she was saying cooperation on debt relief and finance ways could pave the way for stronger ties. Do you think we could be at a turning point for these relationships, Barry? Well, look, I think it's too early to use the word entente, but uh, I've just done so. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's exceedingly positive that the Americans and the Chinese are putting aside some of the fractious problems that they have faced for the last few years and are talking, talking, talking. And I think Ms. Yellen has done the right thing. She's made her third visit to, China, to India this year. She was recently in China. The talks went well. She's saying the right things. She's saying that the restrictions on high-tech investment by the Americans uh, won't be uh, damaging to overall trade. That's a positive. She also was suggesting that they probably won't go into effect, these new restrictions, until the beginning of the year. She's saying that the U.S.-China relationship is not decoupling. And, of course, she's saying all the right things about India. I think that Ms. Yellen, by the way, has got a problem because she didn't get anything that she wanted from the G20. You know, she said when she went in there that it was going to be how do we get Russia to really not get around the sanctions. Well, you know, when you've got China, India and Russia all in the room and they have one point of view and the Americans and Europeans and Canadians another, there's not going to be an agreement. So she'll be happy to be uh, leaving India and going on to Hanoi. Yeah, and Janet Yellen's quite interesting because I don't think many people had heard of her until a few weeks ago, and now she seems to be in the headlines every day. She's certainly earning a salary. Yeah, um, bear in mind that she was talking positive talk about China-U.S. relations much earlier this year. Um, she was she was trying to force America to talk much earlier than, in fact, this happened. So she's been very much. A, um, a key player in trying to, to make this work. But uh, don't, don't say she's not been heard of. Most people will have heard of her because she was formerly the head of the Fed. And um, she has a very high reputation for economic management. So I think that's another reason why China is actually quite willing to talk to her. Yeah, probably exaggerated a bit there, Stuart. I mean, she hasn't really <laughs> been on the front page of the not newspapers really, so much recently, until recently. Yeah. Yes, and every day she seems very busy right now. Yeah, and that's a good thing because she's out there and she's actually doing the things that she wanted to do, which is to try to improve the relationship between US and China. And Barry, do you think she's the right person for that job? Absolutely. Look, she's got a good record. Uh, As Stuart was saying, she was at the Fed for four years. Uh, Donald Trump did not reappoint her to a second term. I think she would have taken that. She was at the San Francisco Fed before that, and she was an academic at UC Berkeley. So, uh, look, this is a woman who is formidable. She's easy to uh, underestimate, but I think she's done very well in Asia over the last month. So don't be, don't perceive her as a, a sweet, sweet elderly lady. Hmm. Not, not, not at all. all. According, according to um, 
uh, one newspaper, she was also enjoying a meal of magic mushrooms while she was in Beijing. So uh, she's clearly got a, an eye on what uh, on on different aspects of life in China. She uh, she enjoys her Chinese food apparently. Oh, good for her. That's yeah. a, a nice way to combine a bit of yeah. business with pleasure.、Mm. Anyway, let's move on to the UK because an interesting poll just out reveals 63% of British people view Brexit as more of a failure than a success, with only 12% seeing it as more successful and 18% neutral. Now, even I found that shocking.、Uh, Britain did sign up for a trade deal a couple of days ago with the CPTPP. Can you see the UK ever getting to a point where it can show it actually is better off financially outside the EU, Barry? Oh gosh, I thought that was going to Stuart,、mm. but I will、uh, not shrink from commenting. I like to keep you on your toes.、Um, yeah, look, it's a tough time in Europe, whether it's on the continent or whether it's in Britain. They need a trade agreement. Those two entities, they still don't have it. So yeah, I'm not surprised that、uh, the British are having second thoughts, but、um, I think Stuart Allcroft's got a different view. Well, yes. I mean, this is one of the inevitabilities of the circumstances that we've had.、Uh, Brexit. Once Brexit occurred, the EU did its level best to try to make things as difficult as possible for the UK. We then have had、uh, a never-ending stream of economic problems occur, not least through COVID and, and more recently the Russia-Ukraine war. So, from an economic perspective, the UK has. Not done terribly well, but nor has Europe. And I think that we need to understand, and, and this is where probably a lot of people in the UK have、uh, not necessarily been able to see the, the whole picture. Yes, Brexit does not look like it's successful so far, and、uh, I, I, it would be very surprising if anybody would have said it was successful in the in the current circumstances. But this is a long-term thing, not a short-term thing. So I think we would need to be looking at this poll maybe ten years after, not.、Uh, Three, four, five years after Brexit.、Um, yes, of course,、um, it would be nice if things were to to improve. And yes, Barry's right. There needs to be trade agreements between the UK and Europe, which are, are currently not in place. And the UK and the United States would be quite good, although the US appears to not be willing to to come up with a trade agreement with the UK for some reason.、Um, but I, I think we we would be Very surprised if、uh, things were anything other than、uh, seen as a bit negative, and that will come through in、uh, a couple of、uh, elections going on in the UK on Thursday this week、um, for MPs that were forced to resign, which is including Boris Johnson's seat in West London. So I think that、um, yes, it doesn't look good. The Conservative Party and government、uh, will be looking in a, at, at this very carefully. But they will have to hope that the plans for the next twelve、uh, months will yield better results, and I think that's that's the big thing to look forward to. I think, Stephen, a, yeah, I would、on. just add yeah, that、um, some of the dire predictions clearly have not come to pass. If you look at what was said in 2016-17, London would no longer be a financial centre. Clearly, that has not happened. Yes, there have been some. 
financial institutions that have moved into the continent, but there hasn't been any wholesale exodus from London, and there's none that are expected over the next couple of years. So sometimes things aren't nearly as bad as the pundits would have you believe. So if you were UK PM Rishi Sunak, or Dishy Rishi, or Fishy Rishi, depending on what side of the political fence you're on, what would your first step be? What, what would you do first to try and change things for the UK? Well, he, he's made very clear exactly what he's planning to do, um, and that is that he is aiming to reduce inflation uh, by half. Uh, he needs to do that because that will yeah, but how will he do it? to many other hmm. economic benefits. How would he do um, that? And I think he can. I think he's got a reasonable chance of achieving that before yeah. the end of the current year. Um, I, everything else will fall into place if that is achieved. Okay, let's move on from the UK. Um, economists seem very underwhelmed with the mainland's plan to stimulate household spending. It's the five percent growth target starting to look more at risk, with many big institutions cutting their forecasts this week. Do you see more impactful stimulus coming, Stuart? Uh, yes and no. Um, the, the, the biggest problem in China is quite clearly that the property sector is in a massive decline, and that, is, that, that represents uh, around 20-25% of the economy in China, which is a massive proportion. Uh, the, we saw yesterday Evergrande announced that it's got uh, something like 80-odd billion dollars of losses over the last two years. Now, how does a company with losses that big um, stay in business? This is, this is one of the concerns that a lot of people are, are beginning to, to wonder, how does this happen? And it's possibly being supported by, by um, the way in which China operates. Now, yes, I think there is a possibility of some stimulus. It won't be very much. There's a possibility that we might see a small interest rate increase, uh, a decrease, sorry, of maybe 25 basis points sometime in the next week or so. Uh, but I, I, I would not expect a great deal currently because China's just a little bit concerned as to how this property uh, problem is going to play out and it doesn't know the answers as yet. Barry, you have 10 seconds. Well, uh, yeah. Good luck to them. They need it. Uh, and they've got youth unemployment, so they've got to stimulate. And it's interesting. Every, everyone else is uh, tightening on uh, interest rates. China is loosening. They have to. So how's that? That was a very good value 10 seconds from you, Barry. And